You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are moving on to a new show here. Mm -hmm. We are moving on to Umbrella Academy Season 2 on Netflix. So I hope everybody's watched the first two episodes because that's what we're going to be talking about today. After we get to our week's watch. So, Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So, I watched. (laughs) (laughs) What terrible movie did I make you watch this week? I had to be reminded that we watched it because it was so bad that I blocked it out. It was called Money Plane. That's right. Money Plane. Yeah, none of you have heard about this movie. (laughs) It was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, It was a heist movie. It was a heist movie. Kind of. Kind of. It was a team heist movie. Like I think it was supposed to be playing on like Ocean's Eleven. It's 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 a little bit more Fast and the Furious than it is Ocean's Eleven. It okay. really wants to be a Fast and the Furious movie. Well, since I, I mean, you sh- haven't really watched. Yeah, I haven't so. watched Fast and Furious. So <laughs> I, I definitely have questions. <laughs> so many questions. I have lots of questions. I have lots of questions. Like, how did they get a budget for this movie, and why does it exist, and who decided? <laughs> write this movie who decided they needed to act in this movie i mean i have a lot of questions so i have a a few answers for you (laughs) on that that point so the reason why we watched it i or i was watching it and i made you watch it yeah so i would have a week's watch so you would have a week's watch is because uh uh they were doing it on how how did this get made another podcast if you like movies uh and you like paul sheer jason um, manzoukas Jason Manzoukas and June Diane Raphael. Thank you. Uh, they they host that that comedic movie podcast where they watch a movie. It's usually something very terrible and wonder how it got made. And they 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 don't they don't really dunk on it, but they they very much like I I don't understand where this movie was going, and this falls in that. Oh but yeah, yeah. They but since they are also Hollywood people and they are in stuff a lot they get to have access to other things so they talk to the director of the movie the director of the movie is is one of the people that was in the movie it was andy lawrence so if you know who andy lawrence is one of the the youngest okay yeah yep the youngest brother of the three lawrence brothers matthew lawrence and joey lawrence and guess who else is in the movie matthew lawrence Lawrence and joey lawrence (laughs) (laughs) but they play bit parts all three of them play bit parts andy directs the movie um the main star is for those WWE fans, Uh-oh. Adam Copeland, more often known as the Edge. Ah, uh, so he okay. was the the team leader. Um, other than that, he, he's, there is, he's, oh, he's the Dom. 
he's the Dom. This okay. is correct. Other than that, Denise Richards shows up in the movie what? as uh, Adam Copeland's wife. What? She literally has three lines, but is prominent in the credits. Uh, <laughs> Jane is in the movie as one of Adam Copeland's old uh, military buddies who helps him out on the floor, but he doesn't get into planes anymore because that's his past life. Um <laughs> Okay, so the plot of the movie, the general plot of the movie, and Kelsey Grammer is a bad guy. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I want it. I want the movie. <laughs> well, it, if you want the movie, it's on Netflix. No, no, no. It was on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime mm-hmm. to pay or free? No, to pay. To pay. Nope. To pay for twenty twenty movie. Um, yeah, came out. This, came out last week. That's, it was its premiere, but it was um, only like six ninety nine. It's not that expensive. In any case. So the plot of the movie is our main team, three guys and a gal. Yep. Who I think are all ex Air Force buddies. It's not really explained how they became a team. It's not really explained how, you know, long they've been a team or really any of anybody's (laughs) backgrounds at all. (laughs) And it kind of opens with the fact that somebody botched their last heist and so our main bad guy has bought the debt that they owe other bad guys and he wants them to rob the money plane and the money plane (laughs) is a casino in the sky for the worst of the worst criminals who can bet on anything and it all takes place in international airspace so it's not traceable, not illegal, which is not how international law works, <laughs> but that's okay. We're just going to brush past that one. Um, and so he's there's like several trillion dollars in cryptocurrency on the servers on the plane. And the then buzzwords. there's a couple yep. billion dollars in cash in a safe on the plane. And so the bad guy arranges for them to have covers to go in to heist the plane and bring him back the money. That's what he wants. And so their plan is to have the main guy take over the cockpit and the computer guy go get the stuff from the servers. And the gal is the muscle, so she's supposed to figure out how to get into the safe. And they're on board with a bunch of these, you know, weapon you know the biggest weapons dealer in the world and they're playing the biggest sex traffickers just in the tra- world just human, tra- traffickers. human traffickers in the world i mean we know what human traffickers do it's yeah. for sex but it is just human traffickers and you've got you know the biggest drug cartel dealers it's the whole thing and like the house is the biggest bad guy because you know if you try and cheat the house they just shoot you on the spot and dump your body out of the airplane um right, that's perfect planning yeah. So, and then midway through the heist, I guess, can I give, the, I shouldn't give the twist. Oh, how could you? There's so much going on, though. <laughs> there really isn't. It's it's all very fairly predictable, I mean, but it was, don't give it away just in case there's okay, anybody that okay, will want to watch it there for themselves. So, but like... It's what it was. It was an hour and a half movie. Yeah, not even. I think it's like eighty nine minutes. Yeah, it felt like four hours. <laughs> it, it feels much much longer. <laughs> it felt longer than any of the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> like it felt forever. <laughs> I, 
I just I'm so sad to see the debt economy hit criminals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they had their debt bought. That's nuts. Yeah, right? So it's just like yeah, it's it was bad. It was it was really bad. It so was bad. The also, acting was bad. The, at one point in in how did this get made? They talked to Andy and it, basically Richard Setzer, not not Setzer, uh, Richard, uh, the dude from um, the West Wing, I think. Aaron Sorkin. Not Aaron Sorkin. Let me let me look up the the, the money plane. Bradley and, Whitford. Anyway, not Bradley Whitford. Yeah, Martin Sheen. Yeah, producer. Switzer. Switzer. Thank you. I think the, I think he's from the from what you call it. Anyways, he and Andy were on a different movie together, and they decided they were going to arm wrestle. And uh, oh, Richard said, <laughs> "If you, if I win oh. in this arm wrestle, you have to be in my next movie for either free or at the bare minimum." And then Andy said, "Okay, but if I win, I get to direct. Like, uh, you get to you you're gonna produce a movie that I direct. Like, you're gonna." That that kind of thing. So he be, he beats Richard in an arm wrestle, and in three and a half weeks, he writes up this masterpiece with his buddy, and <laughs> they direct the movie. I gotta get a film sets, man. I mean, <laughs> you just have to have that in, yeah. Apparently, so so yeah. He's he even talks about like he doesn't take it too serious. He's like, this isn't the end all say all movie that I always wanted to make. Um. So it oh I guess it's not the guy I was thinking of but it is it is say. Richard Switzer. Um but he's like you know this was just uh, I I got to make a movie and it's <laughs> I've been around you no know, sets for the better part of my life and cool. He didn't so. have a thing to lay it around. I'll, I'll, <laughs> John, you you were saying what? something? Uh yeah, I was going to say this sounds like a great like punishment for next year's fantasy football or whatever that's got up again. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, Please that should be this, this year. This will be in in a month, I think. Yeah, between you if and Rich, like, if you win, Rich has to direct your movie or something. Oh, oh, that kind of bet. Okay. I I, I oh. want this to be the bet and then Andy has to remake like a chunk <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> that might not be a bad idea. It might not be a bad idea. Why? Why would you torture the rest of us this way? Yeah, I, that's I don't, what I, I, I don't live there, so I don't have to help him shoot it. No. Yeah. No. Thanks. No. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. It'll be released uh, first. <laughs> so you're saying that you wouldn't recommend this for other people to watch? No. No. <laughs> it is pretty bad. Like you get, you get an Adam Copeland, an, uh, a professional wrestler, so to speak. Because you know that he knows how to choreograph a fight, or at least be in a choreographed fight, and they the one fight scene he's in is pretty terrible. Like they shoot it terribly. There aren't. I mean, there are maybe four fight scenes. Yeah. In total. Yeah. And it's usually with the the lady. Yeah, and they're all really short. They're all less than two minutes. Yeah. Multiple cuts. Multiple cuts. Huh. Yeah. Like there's. And it's all one-on-one. Yep. Like, there's no... I mean, I guess there's illusions of big fight scenes because you just see the dead bodies all over the floor. Yeah, that's or true. How, how do the bodies... show you the fight. How do how the, bodies the bodies get there? <laughs> well, it's behind a closed door, so you don't know. Oh, okay, okay. 
I see. I just, I'm yeah. just wondering because we hadn't talked about piles of bodies uh, leading up to now, except those that got thrown out of the plane, possibly. So, <laughs> well, in the in the first heist, the one that got that gets botched, they were they're supposed to be at an art museum, but it's it's nothing like an art museum you've ever seen in your life. And when they go to they go into the room where the painting's supposed to be, uh, they close the door behind them, and then there's no painting there that they were supposed to steal. Uh, and they're free, he the Adam Copeland's freaking out, and then he's like okay well you always have to have a good plan b so when he opens the door like all the guards that were out there because there was a whole bunch of extra security are on the ground either dead or or knocked out and in his muscle the lady of the team is standing there like you needed help or something like that like basically but you you didn't get to see you didn't get to see her kick their asses or anything you just they're just there they saved so much money though they did. They really did. You paid extras instead of having a stunt team. Like it's, it is much, much cheaper. I appreciate it. This this movie was done by an economist. Um. <laughs> I mean, he got his brother to play his brothers to play two of the main roles. Like, yes, uh, basically. Okay. So it was, yeah. It was hard. Thank Anything you, else? and thank you, and I'm sorry. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Um. Nope. Nope. Okay. That is on Amazon Prime or Google Play Music or Google Play, yeah, or uh, Apple iTunes. So go out and buy it, rent it, whatever. Or don't. Or you don't. Really don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, what did you watch this week? So there were a couple things that I took in this week. Um, the one that I'm most excited about was actually just a trailer. For those of you guys who follow me on Twitter, you might have seen me talk about this. Um, there was a trailer for a Korean film that was kind of, I think, making the rounds. I don't know if it hit the wider Twitter verse or anything, um, but it was a trailer for a movie that uh, the title translates to Space Sweepers. Has anyone else here seen this? I saw that you tweeted it. Oh, man. Okay. I'm I'm very sad. Um, so it, it's... <laughs> In the trailer, um, it's actually it's fantastic visuals. It's a sci-fi thing. There's some group of space miscreants in some bad situation that we don't really know yet because the trailer doesn't have all of that much going on. But there's one robot that has the coolest fashions throughout the entire thing. She got like robot head, but always like a cool bathrobe, cool jacket. I know that this doesn't sound so, like substantive at all, and it doesn't have to be because oh boy, is this pretty! <laughs> it's, and there it is. <laughs> it's just it's the most visually exciting sci-fi film that I've seen a trailer for in probably like the last year or so. Like, there's not been anything that's been that engaging, just based off of a few snippets here and there for me how would would you compare that initial trailer to like the blood machines they're both very exciting (laughs) um this one i think (laughs) like blood machines i love but i knew throughout that it didn't have to like it was never going to have any big story or anything like at least it doesn't seem that way i still haven't watched that movie sadly um sing it you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but then for Space Sweepers, I feel like there's a story there. I think it's going to be something that's pretty basic for people who are getting involved in some kind of distasteful thing. But oh man, I just, I'm, I'm so happy. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, you can see that on my Twitter or go ahead, um, go look that stuff up on YouTube, just Space Sweepers and it should come up. Um, then the other thing that I watched is I was continuing my trend of watching awful, awful things that people <laughs> all acknowledge are awful, um, but not with money planes. Um, <laughs> I, so this week I did a thing and I sat down and watched six episodes of Inhumans. Yikes. And Why? Why would you do that to yourself? I was I was trying to take a nap and I needed to put something on and it couldn't be something that was like too active. Like it couldn't have too much going on. It couldn't be something that I had seen before because then I'll just start saying the lines along with it and keep myself awake. So I decided to do this. Uh, I'm still watching it and I don't know why. I don't know why either. I that's like I I rarely ever not complete anything like show wise, but I didn't even complete that. Like I got four episodes in, I think, and I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. This is I bad. I don't blame you. It's it's a really odd one that they, that they chose to do with this. They chose characters that essentially, if you're not a big comic book person at that exact time, because I mean the Inhumans have been around for a little bit, but they're still not to this day, and now they never will be. Uh, a larger yeah. part of the stuff they yeah, use them they, here and there they they struck it big with doing that with the guardians of the galaxy like nobody knew those characters and then they made a movie and well, now everybody loves star lord no that part was fine i um I, I started like putting in other like side bits of information in that sentence before finishing that one they chose characters that nobody know uh like knows in a big way or anything and then they also chose to just remove pretty much all of their powers oh, for the series. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're these people. They all have crazy powers way more than any human develops as a mutant or an inhuman or a mutant or a human that becomes an inhuman. And then black bolt doesn't use his power. Medusa has her hair cut off. So she doesn't have her stuff. Um, Karnak hits his head and Karnak's power is not a thing that was widely known or anything in a big way in the first place and all you see these characters do like medusa moves her hair once early on uh and then she's like uh touching her like head fuzz and is real depressed about it uh karnak's like something's wrong with me to everyone who comes around him he tells them his whole story i'm looking for my king and there's some shit wrong with my head (laughs) he says it to everybody and we didn't even really see him use his abilities before that. Black Bolt doesn't use his power because it's too strong, but everyone tells everyone talks about how great his power is. And like even the dog, they they like <laughs> shove the dog away. They're like, put put him away. Because he's a CG object, so he'd be too expensive to use a lot. I don't know. They they just m- took everyone's powers away. And even the other girl, um what, what's her Crystal. Crystal. Yeah. Her like there's a defining feature for her visually, that's her hair. Mm-hmm. And past the first episode, she just pulls it back, and we never see the line, the, like the look of the thing that's in her hair. Right. Again, they just were like, we have all these characters. Anyway, we fucking hate everything about these characters <laughs> and just did other things with them. And I, I don't get it. Also, the music hit that's supposed to be the theme, it's like maybe like a measure, or like two measures. Um, <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of the thing before they say like as the world turns we'll be right back yeah <laughs> i don't understand anything about this show 
<laughs> except why it was canceled. <laughs> so, so where are you watching this at? Um, Disney Plus. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, enjoy that. Go to Disney Plus. Inhumans. Great time. <laughs> okay. So that means that makes, if you need to nap. Yeah, yeah. especially if you, if you need it, some scripted white noise. It honestly it worked. <laughs> also, what was the main guy for the show who plays Black Bolt? Terrible name. Um, was was he ever in the running to play Superman? Uh not to my knowledge, no. Why do you think he'd make a good Superman? Visually. In acting? Uh-uh. Cause uh he's right now he is <laughs> He is a uh, Captain Pike on uh, Discovery, mm-hmm. and he was on Hell on Wheels, uh, the Western train show on a- AMC. Hmm. I can't I'm blanking on his name at the moment, uh, but that's okay. I don't know. But yeah, uh, I just, visually, he looks like he would fit. He would have fit the role. But yeah, he's, Henry, Henry Cavill's good in his downtime. <laughs> Would you say, John? So he looks like a butch. He looks like a butch. Like his name would be Butch, or like, yeah. <laughs> or he's like the masculine half of a lesbian couple. I wasn't sure what we were going for. He's all man. <laughs> so he just looks like his name would be Butch. <laughs> oh god. Uh, okay, so that makes a lot more sense of why you asked me if uh, Mutant X or Inhumans was much better, and I said I've never seen Mutant X, so I would assume that's better than Inhumans. Yeah, Mitch's response to which show was better was the, the one he had not seen a, at all. <laughs> so that's Inhumans for you guys. Okay. Anything else you watch this week? Nope. Nope. Again, just in case anyone forgot the thing that I mentioned in the beginning, that was that was Space Sweepers on YouTube. Please go watch it. Please go watch it and then talk to Steven about it on, on Twitter. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what did you watch this week? Uh, so I kind of sort of very easily convinced John to watch a happy old Disney movie. And I told him, well, I owe you a movie then and I'll live tweet it. And the movie he chose for me was (laughs) John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, which I decided to watch on a late Saturday night because I didn't think I'd have any time to watch it. It was a Kurt Russell exchange is what you're saying. It was. It ended up being a Kurt Russell exchange of very extreme different proportions. <laughs> His career went much different after he left Disney. What's 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 the most un-Disney movie I can make Jessica watch, I feel like. Um, but I actually I really like cheesy 1980s horror, so I actually really liked this movie. There were a few issues with it, which I pointed out in my live twitter feed which you can find on my twitter as jm bailey writes um but i just it started out with kurt russell's character playing chess with a computer that had a female voice and he loses chess to it so he drowns her in his whiskey or scotch or whatever it is he basically breaks the computer so the computer's dead it's like, like instantly I thought, it's like, ha, he killed the computer, the first murder of the whole show. And no, I found out that's like the only female voice or character at all in the entire movie. <laughs> and she's killed in the first five minutes. Yeah, you don't, like, oh. I mean, you don't want any females up in the Arctic Circle when it's just a bunch of dudes, you know. 
Actually, um, I do believe there's a lot of science that comes out that says that females are actually really good for those small teams, like especially for space exploration, because it balances out all the other issues that you can have, such as, you know, paranoia Mm -hmm. and wanting to kill each other. That's why... It's actually really good to have a bunch of different personalities within one team. That's why Ridley Scott's a better storyteller than John Carpenter, because aliens puts women on the team, or alien puts women on the team. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> well now you gotta go watch you the go. thing from 2015 yes watch it it's bad? a good movie no and it's got uh ramona flowers in it as the lead that it does but no at this point i don't trust either of them <laughs> okay all right well, well, I mean, actually it's a direct prequel it's a prequel yeah it's, as i said it's, it's literally Every when they go to the when Kurt Russell and the other guy go to the Norwegian base, and you see all the destruction and the aftermath, the prequel is literally everything that happened there, and it ends with the dog escaping and them chasing. That's what I thought. That's what I said in my tweet, though. I was like, "Please tell me there's a prequel of the Norwegian." There's a prequel. But if you've seen there the thing, prequel. the prequel, and it's weird because it's a prequel, but you can't really watch it before you watch the thing from 1982 because it totally ruins the whole setup of the story. Well, it's that's that's what most prequels are. Well, most prequels would. Yeah, you're. I mean, like you know who Darth Vader is, <laughs> right? If, if you were German, you already knew anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true but and plus, watching it, the prequels first there's also a lot of controversy because they even though they filmed the movie with all like props and and uh practical effects uh there's the story is that the studio got nervous because they didn't like the way it looked so they just redid all the special effects after the fact with cgi and it some of it does not look good it looks very cartoony and fake uh now, the props were, like, probably the best part of the 1982 film, though. I mean, those puppets and anima, whatever they were, were just so hideous looking. Just so, just gross. Except for the one, like, head that had, like, a tongue that reminded me of the Twizzler ropes. Like, that was, that made me laugh. But they were so gross. And I th- feel like my one, like, writing, like, big writing flaw in it is that it showed the spaceship, the alien spaceship in the very beginning. So it wasn't surprised that you were dealing with alien creatures. Mm. I kind of sort of wish, like, you didn't find out it was an alien craft till the scientists actually found it out by them just finding a UFO in the snow. And they're just like, it's a UFO. <laughs> Been here about 100 years. <laughs> like, just. That's also how Predator begins, and that was done by the studio also. It was supposed to be a surprise reveal later, but like, nope, it was an alien. Here is the spaceship. (laughs) Here's the spaceship right in the beginning. This is what you're going to be dealing with. I don't know why though, because I don't. I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been surprised, but it would have been like, oh crap, that's a UFO in the snow. Like just. As the scientist should have been reacting, not. So I know it's been a long time since I watched the movie, but isn't there a big like uh, mystery of whether or not Kurt Russell has changed in the movie or not at the end? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't which, know. Which yeah, one do you think it is? Oh. oh, if it was between Kurt Russell and uh, David Keith or Keith David, whatever. Yeah, one of them had to have been the thing, but like, which one it was? It I feel like. To me, I wanted the biggest twist to be that Kurt Russell was the thing the entire time. Well, he drinks, but that he works, drinks so. that gasoline, yeah. right? So, and he thinks it's whiskey. 
Yeah, so, I don't know. I just... The ending was just really... No, or uh, it later was, in the movie. Just, I wanted so much more. <laughs> <laughs> I want a sequel, not a prequel. Well, you can go, go back further in time and watch The Thing from Outer Space, the original version of it. I could. I might. I just might do that because that's another thing I like to watch is super duper old sci-fi movies. <laughs> okay, where was that? Like at, Jessica, that was on Amazon Prime. Um, you could see it through Stars. Um, so if you have the Stars app, you can see okay. it. Okay. Did you? I and I actually ended up. I don't have Stars, so I ended up actually buying it for like six bucks to have for forever. Why so. do you guys do this? Do you have to pay for these movies? <laughs> I don't mind paying for movies that I know are going to be pretty good and fun watches. It's just or money playing. <laughs> I'm not going to pay for money playing, but I'll pay for the thing. <laughs> Jessica, did you have anything just, else that you like to you like to talk about? Uh, yeah, kind of. I um, I ended up staying homesick this day from work. Um, this weekend when I do that, I just watch movies that make me happy, and I watched three different Muppet movies. I watched the original, the Muppet movie, the original movie. Um, and then I watched Muppet Treasure Island, which was my favorite when I was a kid. And then I watched the 2011 kind of sort of reboot called The Muppets. The so, one Jason Siegel? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Yes. All of them are great. All of them. I love The Muppets. It's just that's my childhood is The Muppets. I absolutely love their sense of humor. They. I did actually also earlier in the week I watched... The Muppets Now, that's the new show that just started on Disney Plus for the Muppets. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm waiting to see it go further along because that's a week-to-week episode coming out every Friday, so today. Um, but they, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's not quite, like, I just want a little bit more from it before I fully judge whether or not I love it or not. But but I just, the Muppets is muppets <laughs> i love it i love fourth wall humor like for anything that breaks the fourth wall i'm gonna love it so okay space walls just <laughs> all of it so all the muppet <laughs> material i believe is on disney plus as well yes all of it's on disney plus and a lot more movies than just those three too so okay anything else i think that's it i think <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long week. John, what did you watch this week? All right. So this Wednesday, I actually had all day to myself, <clears throat> which is pretty unusual. So I actually watched three different things. I'm only going to gloss over the first two because they're not that interesting. <laughs> uh, the first one, that, the first thing I watched was a new documentary on Netflix called Speed Cubers. Yep. It's actually really short. It's only like 48 minutes, I think, not even an hour. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, I like uh, solving the Rubik's Cube. It's one of my nerdy passions. Um, oh, my best time is about... <laughs> yeah, my best time is about two and a half minutes, which isn't anything compared to these guys that can do it in under 10 seconds. And I thought it was going to be a lot more about actual, like, solving the cube. It's only no. like the first couple of minutes is about that. And then the rest is just the story of these two competitors that became really good friends one of which is on the spectrum so he uses the cube as therapy or his parents gave him a cube as therapy as a child and now he's like one of the best in the world if not like usually it's between him and the guy he becomes friends with they're constantly trying to like best each other's times 
but they're still like the greatest of friends and um the more autistic one like he's learned a lot of like just from competing and being around other people like he's made like incredible growth and progress well so that part of it was interesting but again i was really kind of more in there for the cubing part and that plays such a small role in this whole documentary <laughs> although the way it's framed at the beginning reminded me a lot of pitch perfect and how they make it seem like those acapella tournaments are like the biggest thing in the world i mean they talk about like the <laughs> worldwide international speed cubing competition held in sydney australia and all these people from the world there with like their flags representing them i'm like wow and they're actually filling out this auditorium like i don't think it was that <laughs> philharmonic place but it was a huge arena. <laughs> wow, there's a lot of fans for speed cubing this side of the world. Um, it was all right. Like I said, if you go in thinking it's going to be about just a speed cubing part, you'll be disappointed. But it's a touching story. The next there thing you... was... What? I said, there you go. I like the clipboard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the clipboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had to be prepared. And... Uh, <laughs> The second thing I watched for my live tweet this Wednesday was the Child's Play reboot. It's part of my Aubrey Plaza-thon that I've been doing. I've been tagging her. She hasn't responded. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to say, I didn't hate it, but it was different enough that it could have been its own like intellectual property. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, uh, I watched this one a while ago, too, and the explanation of why... Chucky comes to life or quote unquote comes to life in this one pissed me off. It was literally that episode of the Simpsons when they go to itchy and scratchy land. Yep. They just have the setting to kill instead of like not kill or whatever it was. (laughs) And like the eyes turn red and everything just like they do in itchy and scratchy land, which I also mentioned in the, in the, my life tweets was a parody of Westworld. Yep. Which is really show that you know we covered here once uh, once in a while, but yeah, I went through that whole thing. And I was like, all in all, you know, I was ready to just kind of bash on it. I was like, the first kill doesn't happen till about forty minutes in, and it's a ninety-minute movie, so that's <laughs> a long time to wait for you know murder to happen. But the few kills that they do have were kind of creative. I was like, all right, cool, and I definitely missed the 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 voodoo possession serial killer aspect of it. If I have one real complaint. Is that I feel that Mark Hamill was misused as the voice of Chucky. Uh-huh. In the original, yeah, Mark Hamill plays Chucky. And, he, and like when he starts to get a little bit more crazy, because it's an AI gone wrong, gone rogue, or whatever. It's 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 literally a robot that learns to kill. Um when he gets to a certain point, he starts having a bit of the Joker mannerisms in his voice. Mm. But uh early on, he just sounds like a creepy man. <laughs> Whereas the original Chucky doll, it sounds like a child until he reveals his real voice as Char- uh, was it Charles Lee Ray or whatever yeah, his name that, is. Um, that, yeah, that's the name of the... yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Brett, Brett Dourif just has such an iconic voice too. So, I mean, here you have another iconic voice. I just think it was the wrong way to use it. If if or if he only became a man voice when he started going evil, and he started off as a child, it would have been or a childlike voice, it probably would have worked a little better. But like I said, it was different enough. It could have been its own thing, not as if affiliated with Child's Play. I sincerely feel like they just used it as a cash grab opportunity to say, oh, here's a new Child's Play movie. Everything's different. 
Well, mm-hmm. you, you have the Child's Play TV show coming out with Brad Dourif returning as the voice of Chucky. So there you go. The only thing I don't like about the original series, and I also mentioned this in the live tweet, is that it, like most horror properties, in order to stay relevant, they eventually become self-parodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the time you start getting into Bright of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, I'm like, ugh, like, <laughs> it's just, like, it, it's just, just like, that's when it, it definitely needed a reboot, but I feel like this just could have been its own thing instead of having Child's Play grafted onto the title. Nevertheless, I liked Optimus Policy's performance. It was another positive one overall for me. Now, the thing I did actually want to talk about was something that uh, Jess recommended a while ago. Finally got around to watching it. Uh, I watched the documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> wow, I did not expect that celebration. <laughs> well, um, nobody, nobody ever watches the Disney docs she recommends. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a big, yeah, I'm a big fan of the documentaries. And what I took away from this, which was, I, I don't know if I should be proud of this or not, but I knew a lot of this information just from other sources. This just kind of put it all in one package. Like mm-hmm. I like I've learned a lot about the stuff from the pre-Disney era from watching other YouTubers that talk about the history of Disney. Uh, at one point, they say, "Oh, and here we are during the creation of uh, uh, the Fox and the Hound." And I was like, "Ooh, I wonder if we're gonna get to see Tim Burton." And there's Tim Burton and this really awkward, dorky self in his cubicle, looking <laughs> like he hates his life. <laughs> and I understand why too, because if you if you know the stuff behind that, he really hated working. Uh, for Disney because he didn't get to express his true creative vision, and you know, yeah, like, it was not a good. Fit. Yeah, he was just too big for that environment, basically. But yeah, they talk about a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff, the the inner politics of the uh, the management that was going on there, the the philo- the clashing philosophies, the changing of the guard, a lot of really interesting stuff about. Basically, my biggest takeaway was Disney feels like it's always been in constant. As profitable as it is, in constant turmoil and on the brink of some kind of takeover or bankruptcy, <laughs> something always yep. comes yep. in to save their ass, and they write it for like a good ten years, and then I feel like we're kind of there right now again. Like we're we're in that part where like Disney doesn't quite know what to do, and a lot of it has to do with coronavirus and other parts mm-hmm. uh, buying too many properties and not really knowing what to do with them or mishandling them. Yeah. Um, yeah, before it was uh, when Roy Disney left, um, I can't remember who was going to try to buy it over. And then there was the um, the price of gas and recession that hit Disney hard. And they almost closed everything and they almost got bought over again. And then yes. now now we've got everything with COVID. And, but I think they're actually, they are currently have their fingers in too many properties right now for anything to actually happen or anybody to be even be able to buy them out because they basically have everything. Mm-hmm. So some YouTubers I follow and they're just delegating things more than anything. Mm, Disney plus is probably the only thing that's keeping them afloat at this point. Interestingly, yeah. I think the, the, per, the, the two top people in charge of Disney plus the streaming portion of that whole thing left like this past week. They basically mm-hmm. said, oh, it looks like they smell a sinking ship coming. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I, I like this service. Mm-hmm. I could pay $30 for Mulan, but I like this service. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pay $30 for Mulan. I, I like that one. Honestly, like, I'd, I would like more companies to do something similar. I'd be fine to watch Tenet 
even if they limited it exclusively to like a VR headset, so I have to watch it huge. <laughs> I'll I'll watch it that way. I mean, I'll pay the money. I'll, I'll give you that. There's okay. certain properties I would fork over that kind of cash for. But I mean, Mulan. A lot of people are saying it doesn't even have the music or the Mushu character in it. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it does so not. Like, no. So then yeah, it was like. Well, I mean, but everybody who got to see it before pandemic said that it was great. Like. It was being critically hailed as a good movie. Yeah, I'll probably end up caving and get it, but it's just if it was like twenty five, <laughs> I don't know why thirty just seems so unattainable. And because I don't know if you can really just you. Yeah, it's it's not four people in yeah. a household. I don't know if you yeah. can really spoil a documentary, uh, but. There was one moment that I absolutely loved. Uh, and the whole thing was great, I think, for just informational purposes. When they're talking about how things are getting kind of dicey and they need, they know they need to make like a change to uh, their animation. And then they say, well, we brought in this like little upstart called Pixar to help us. And I was like, hey, I know that company. <laughs> like, every time they said something. Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have a beer can, though. <laughs> um, and then yeah, they talk a lot about Katzenberg and there was this great part during the end credits they're still kind of cutting back and forth to like outtakes essentially and they're interviewing this one guy and he says uh, before we go any further am I going to be allowed to say the name Katzenberger during this <laughs> I'm like wow yeah he was persona non grata there for a bit do they print or do they present Pixar coming in as like a, a saving force kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. Um, well, they yeah. they shit on Pixar. <laughs> sort of. So they, they were definitely kind of, seen as like... Their kind of, first movie with Pixar failed. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, even so, you, like oh. the entire time that they were making... Um, this, we're, talking, we're talking about the Brave Little Toaster? No. Uh, the first one they worked no. on was uh, Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under, right? Rescuers Down Under. Because yeah. during during the time when they were trying to do more elements for the Brave Little Toaster, they made their life absolute hell. Yeah, I think that's a different documentary. I think there's been a different one where they go more in depth because they they barely go into it. They mm -hmm. just say that you know that that's a certain point in the late '80s. I think it was like '87. That's when they um, yeah. started to incorporate. Uh, cell shading software and computer mm -hmm. animation uh, with the help of Pixar. And then, I mean, obviously it wasn't until about 1990 that they got the go-ahead to even start working on Toy Story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and then but, I know I know Disney, it was it was, yeah, sorry. Go Disney ahead. Plus is also, I think it's a re-release of a documentary Howard, about Howard Ashman who Not originally the, did, what? Not the duck. No. No. No, the songwriter who did Little Shop of Horrors and then was picked up by Disney to do Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and then he died. He died before his songs were included, but they were included in Aladdin. He wrote several of the pieces, music pieces for Aladdin mm -hmm. as well. Um, and so they've got a new documentary about him and his time at Disney. Disney Plus is re-releasing it because it was a 2018 documentary. That would yeah, be interesting. Get into them. It, was that was that the the writer who had um, tried to push for more of the story with Aladdin and his mother? Do you know? He, I'm not sure entirely. Yeah, I guess he wrote most. He mostly wrote song lyrics, but I imagine he 
it could be the same person. Okay. Also, okay. it's kind of neat to see a couple of parts where they talk about, or when they show you, like, Jody Benson doing the singing for Ariel. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, Waking Sleeping Beauty is on Disney+. Plus. Where's Child's Play? Child's Play is free to stream on Amazon, uh, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon Prime. And, and Speed Cubers was on Netflix. This is a Netflix original. Okay, John. Oh, is the... I, I wanted to to bring up to people, uh, in case anyone hasn't gotten to watch it yet, Jojo Rabbit was added to HBO. HBO Max. Oh, right. That's what I watched. Yeah, so, <laughs> if, you got, if you haven't gotten to watch it yet, give it a try. I think you don't have to listen to us on that one. There are plenty of other critics out there who would recommend you watching that one. Just, just be careful. <laughs> You do not know what you're getting into. Uh, okay, for my week's watch, uh, I have three movies that I'll try and get through pretty quickly. 2019, a movie called Teacher came out. It stars David Damulchin. David Dasmulchin. Uh, what was that? Mm-hmm. That's the one. That's, That's the one. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> might remember him as Kurt from the Ant-Man movies. He's the the Russian dude that does the computer stuff. He's in, he was in The Dark Knight. He was the guy in the cell that kept talking about I. You know I. Yeah, I did no. He was the cop. Is he the Baba Yaga? He was the what? No, yeah, the Baba Yaga guy. He he was in Blade Runner 2049. He got killed. He got killed. So he's in this movie. Um Kevin Pollock's in this movie. He's a he's a teacher, so to speak. He's a teacher at a high school. Uh he sees a, a a kind of a nerdy kid that reminds him a lot of him. When he was younger, he got beat up by bullies all the time. Uh, he kind of takes it upon himself to try and stop the bullying. Uh, just know that there are heavy triggers for suicide and uh, cyberbullying and bullying in this movie. So if anybody watches it, make sure you are prepared for that. It is a very interesting movie shot really well. I just don't think you feel for the characters the way they want you to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that is on Amazon Prime. Uh, Archive is another movie that I watched, 2020. Uh, this one of the interesting things about this, I found this out from Richard, the writer director of this movie, Gavin Rothery, is the designer, the video game designer for Star Citizen and a couple other video games. So while he was making those video games, he decided, you know what, I'll just make a movie too. And there's this, it's this that's movie. That's why it's not finished yet. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. That's, that's why this hasn't come to fruition still. Uh, but this movie is about Theo James, the actor playing a character that is a robotic scientist. And he has created different versions of this AI that is based off of his wife, who is... So you know in that episode of Black Mirror where um, uh, the San Junipero episode, you know, mm-hmm. when people die, their memories or their, you know, their, me- yeah, all the memories get uploaded. I know what movie this is now. <laughs> Essentially, he, they have this same technology and at some point the server that the wife is saved on is supposed to die like they're they're all supposed to eventually just go away because that's just the progression of it they don't want you to keep it forever just so that you can go ahead and say goodbye well he wants to 
put her memories back into a robotic body and that's where the movie is and a lot of weird things are happening around uh his laboratory facility home good movie it's it's visually stunning but once again it's so slow paced that you forget like it's only a 90 minute movie and it takes forever it, the, the trailer made it seem like it was going to be a lot more action yeah. than that. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it is not wow. that at all. <laughs> like, so there seems to be like one main kind of story through line for like the conflict um, with the wife and the body stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is that just at the end of the movie then? Yep. Because there were a lot of alarms going off. So I don't think that's happening earlier. No, it's not. It really isn't. <laughs> Okay. So, just just be prepared for that. Uh, the last movie I want to talk about, though, I thought was... Gr- oh, I'm sorry. That was also on Amazon Prime. But the last movie I thought I watched was really good. It's called Buffaloed. It's 2019. It stars Zoe Deutsch uh, and Jai Courtney. And Jai Courtney kind of plays the antagonist. But it is all about debt collecting. So Steven brought it up earlier. Uh, <laughs> essentially, Zoe Deutsch is a very intelligent woman. She's tried to make money her whole life in different ways like her whole model is that i just don't want to be poor anymore like stop being poor and i can try and be rich um she gets caught doing uh, a scam right out of high school so then she goes to jail while in jail uh she gets out and uh she knows she ha- she owes uh, about fifty thousand dollars uh to re- for restitution for this uh ticket Buffalo Buffalo Bills ticket NFL ticket scam that she was pulling forgery scam and when she finally talks to the debt collector like the debt collector kind of gives her a whole bunch of information about well you know you owe these people 50,000 we bought it from another guy who bought that debt and it, I'm a, I'm make you only have to pay 5,000 I get 500 off of that and from that she's just like oh this is all sales. It's just sales and I can scam and it's all legal and it's cool. Like, but the thing is that it's, you know, Jai Courtney, his team does that area and she's trying to go up against it. So there are other things that happen, but it's, it's like, it's really good. It's written really well. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking. There's, there's like the stuff in the big short where she stops everything that's happening and looks at the camera and says, this is the part that you're not understanding and explains a little bit of it, but dumbs it down so that general audiences can understand what, what debt collecting really is. Um, but other than that, it's, it's got a lot of great characters, a lot of great actors. Judy Greer is in the movie. She plays her mother. Um, and it's, it's just, it, it just had me peaked from the beginning. So if you get the opportunity, that is a original on Hulu right now. What does Jack Courtney do in the movie? I don't imagine him being a person who peacefully goes to collect. No. Well, he's the, he's, he's the owner of the business that does the debt collecting. So he has a room full of dudes that gets on, get that get on phones and try and collect debt. And like, you know, when they don't collect debt, he gets angry and starts hitting them with phones and beating the crap out of them. But it's Buffalo. So everybody's just like, this is just life. So it's okay. Kind of thing. Buffalo. Yeah, because it's Buffalo, and I can't do a Buffalo accent, so. <laughs> I'm liking Buffalo. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 character that Zoe plays uh, definitely has a very limited view of what people in Buffalo are, and it, she does not hold back when talking about it. So, 
everybody is pretty slack jawed, dumb, and meatheadish kind of thing. But it's a good movie. If you get the opportunity, you should watch it. Okay. Okay. With, with all that being said, I just want to remind the recording. The movie was called Space Sweepers. <laughs> That's right. Space Sweepers. Let's get into talking about Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 1 and 2. So, guys, Umbrella Academy, new season. How are we <laughs> feeling about it? I mean, I've only watched two episodes and I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I want to know more. I'm hooked yeah. as well. Going into this, way more than going into this, it seemed like the guys were going to be all for it, but the girls are going to be like iffy. But um, what say you, Elizabeth? In this first episode, the introduction, everything going back to uh, essentially uh, right back to where they started. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, the storyline is interesting. Um, I'm feeling a little bit better about the characters than I was the first season. I like them a little bit more. Uh, I'm intrigued with how each of them has dealt individually with being thrown into their own timeline or, you know, and on their own. It feels very different. They feel like different characters and different people than they did in the first season. Yeah. With the exception of Vanya, who is who she was at the beginning of the first season. Just kind of blank. Just kind kind of blank, very demure, very passive. Things happen to her. She doesn't do anything. She has almost no agency of her own. Which was very much where she was at at the beginning of the first season. True that. Now, I remember Jess had the most violent reaction to uh, these first two episodes. And uh, <laughs> I remember you mentioning that you weren't a big fan of the the whole... In, um, why am I blinking on the word? She can't remember stuff? <laughs> amnesia. Oh, amnesia. amnesia. Yeah. amnesia. And then what a yeah, forget. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just such a, like, I should hate this because time travel is just not my favorite. It's just not my favorite in general, especially when it comes to shows, because there's just so much crap you can do. And it's just so, like, you just get around every single plot hole you have because of time travel. And that's annoying. But then it also adds plot holes. It's just time travel is just annoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dr. Yeah, time travel is annoying. But... Um, <laughs> And then just to throw in amnesia, which is just such a way to, like, answer the question about Vanya. It's like, well, let's give her amnesia. It'll be fine. Like, she won't remember she destroyed the world and tried to kill her brothers. Like, whatever. Just give her amnesia. It's just so... But, like, as I watched it, I I do quite enjoy it. Oh, and I guess another thing I totally hate is, of course, you have time travel. And, of course, you're going to go to Dallas. And, of course, it's going to be the 60s. And, of course, somebody's going to try to save JFK. Like, just... (laughs) Like, it's just so stereotypical. But at the same time, like, I'm quite enjoying... I think the pacing has dramatically changed from season one to season two. It's just so upbeat, so quick. And you're getting these different and more interesting views of these characters, you're starting to like them more, as Elizabeth said, and I just 
as much as I think it's being very, very cliche, I'm actually quite enjoying it. I I really I can't wait to watch the next two episodes. So like <laughs> Also, if you can't get enough of that going back in time and saving Kennedy trope, then you should watch eleven twenty two sixty three on Hulu. <laughs> I already know about that. <laughs> Steven. Going in, you even wrote a little review for us on Geek Elite Media. So what are your thoughts on this? So, uh, yeah, I, I went through, I summarized the, the first episode. Um, I, had a, I had a leg up on, I guess, this one, um, being a person who read the comics in the past. But just like anything else, obviously, they adapt it. You, you see, what's it, Steve Blackman's name in the beginning? You don't see Gerard Way's name necessarily right there up in the beginning. That's for oh, yeah, the creator. Yeah, right? Um, but no, um, so for this one, uh, I really like what they did. Uh, in the original comic, um, Allison isn't black. So okay. none of what's ha- what happens in this is a thing whatsoever. Um, th- there are so many changes and departures and everything that I feel a little bit bad for having gone forward and watched the whole season when we were watching stuff week to week. But at the same time... Uh, I really like this. This is really good. It's one of those times where they've they've taken a thing and they've actually adapted it again and made it better than the source material. So yeah. I like it. That's how I feel about the boys too. I feel like I started reading the graphic novel. I was like, nope, this is not for me. But the show's <laughs> enjoyable. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mitch? Uh, the, yeah, like I said, the first two episodes really had me. So I am so in on all of it. Uh. I really enjoy uh, the the added <laughs> as much as I hated the ca- added characters encouraged. I like the added characters that we're getting here. Uh, <laughs> Lila from the a sanitarium uh, with Diego. We get um, I, his name wasn't Morty, but he works at Morty's. The television Elliot. Put, Elliot thank you. Yeah, yeah. Elliot because yeah. T E T makes so much sense because he thinks he's seeing aliens. Uh, his his voice. There's a part when he first talks to Five uh-huh. where he sounds almost exactly like Michael J. Fox. Oh, I, I bet you they were trying to do something like that since it's all time travel. It was so weird. <laughs> uh, the the new... Oh, Sissy. Yeah, Sissy character that obviously Vanya and uh, Sissy working up a relationship there. So... Expect- <laughs> Expect to see her in a refrigerator here soon. Let's throw in another one of my favorite tropes. Um, uh, I don't. I got real frustrated with Allison, though. Like, I understand that she doesn't want to use her powers, but this seems like the perfect time to use the powers. And I, but, I mean, if you were to use the powers to make the change happen, it's not real change. That's true. Unless, I mean, you do think you do something enough times and it, through repetition, it becomes your new normal. Like that's a way you do things. I mean, I, I get that one. I, I just don't know if it sticks like that. Well, and I get it in terms of not using it towards crea- crafting the bigger change, but to deal yeah. with the small roadblocks mm-hmm. instead of. A, you know, instead of breaking the guy's arm or trying to break the guy's arm when he sticks his foot in the door, that would have been a perfect time to use that. It doesn't yeah. create a greater change, but it gets him out of the way so you can move forward with the sit-in. 
I think that was just her doing something that felt good after a well, couple of years. Oh, yeah. It was it definitely was, reflexive. Oh, she was yeah. trained for so long that you know, as soon as someone t- throws a punch at someone she loves, she's but, going to block yeah. it. But you're right. See, and to me, hers is the only one that's a shift that doesn't make any sense to me. Because she was trying to shift away. She was trying to shift to where she's at in season two at the beginning of season one and then went back. And so now she's going back again. Doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like, her- this transition going from, you know, a substance abuse user to a prophet makes sense to me because that's the same looking for solace in all the wrong places. You know, trying to find comfort either through drugs or through fame and other people's love makes sense. Diego mm-hmm. trying to, be, Diego being the one to try and stop the Kennedy assassination makes sense because he feels like he needs to have a purpose if he's been just dumped in this other timeline. Mm-hmm. And um, Luther finding a new dad figure, a new boss, a new somebody to follow makes sense mm-hmm. and all the self-loathing and therefore willingness to get in with gangsters makes sense. But Allison refusing to use her powers just doesn't make any sense to me from where she was at in the first season. Mm. If, if we're talking about um, Klaus's addiction for things, I think that Allison uses her powers like a person uses drugs. Oh, yeah. as far as the easy way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So now I think I she's trying to quit. Except she was trying to quit at the beginning of season one, and then she went back. I, and then she couldn't go back, and she couldn't use it, and she couldn't use it for so long. And I feel like when you're put in an, an environment where she is at survival level because of where she is and who she is in this season how do you kick that kind of habit? That doesn't make any sense. I, I, for me, yeah, I feel like she had used her power to get to where she was when we see her in the past. Oh, I, I feel like she had been using it. I don't know about that one. But I'm not for sure. But that's I felt like she had to have used it in order to set herself how she is currently. And then... I mean, yeah. I mean, in two years, she, she got dumped in a new time. She got dumped in the past. And in two yeah. years, she has found somebody, gotten married, and been together long enough to be celebrating an anniversary. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel that like marriage. She, but she also had to I mean, heal at some point in that because yeah. her throat was cut when she was dumped. I just so. for that I I I I liken her experience with this situation being. Like when I decide that I'm going to try to kick caffeine again, but it's not really a matter of me trying to kick caffeine. It's that I don't have enough money to buy an energy energy drink every single day. So it's it's, it's, it's me being sober out of convenience. <laughs> yeah, but if you were trying to kick caffeine and then someone came in and arrested your loved one and they're like, the only way you can stop it is by drinking caffeine, you would do it, right? It depends. I think they're also going for the social change and his whole thing is the, I forget his catchphrase, turn of phrase thing. Dignity and honor. Yeah. So I I think she's about to, there's a reason that she likes him. Okay. And that's not me speaking with teacher knowledge. That's just from these episodes. (laughs) Oh, that's right. You have to be careful not to drop nuggets of uh, clues. So Mm -hmm. 
So Steven's always watching ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, 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 he doesn't have the willpower to stop himself, apparently. I didn't go bankrupt on Netflix time. <laughs> so, episode one, right back where we started. So they averted one apocalypse only to step into another. And <laughs> China crazy. essentially have their whole character arcs <laughs> reset. Mm-hmm. Well, you have um, Allison trying to go back to the, uh, the, the, I guess, home life that she left behind. And like we said, Klaus is now uh, a cult leader. He's inspired other people. We run into one of them at some point. Uh, and he's really got like the George Harrison look going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice jacket. Then, uh, yeah, Vanya now has the uh, amnesia, which I'm with Jess on this one. I hate amnesia as a story arc trope. However, I'm okay with it here because we know what happened. I hate it when a character had like Mila Jovovich in the first Resident Evil. When you have to put the pieces together along with her, that is when it, I think it really isn't done well. Then we have Luther. Yeah, he's now bodyguard, protector, and also like a cage fighter. Yeah. Still an for Jack Ruby. Which, by the way, the way he breaks that dude's arm, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> it was a good moment. I was like, ah, oh, that'd be like, I think you don't even need that much leverage. It's just like getting at the right angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually really easy to break an arm. Yeah, that, um, There's arm. easier ways, too. Uh, I do have to give props to Diego for being the only one that landed that fall. <laughs> yeah. he, he's superhero entered, entered like, hard. He, <laughs> he was ready. He's the only one to train to actually be, like, a superhero. Like, everybody trained yeah. to fight. Okay. But he trained to be, I mean, in the comic books, he becomes the Kraken. Like, yep. None, he takes on that whole persona as as being a straight up Batman character. <laughs> and and honestly, uh, what his what's his power? His power is is accuracy. Like he's he's a metal bender. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the hero complex. The psych ward actually got that one right. <laughs> they they extracted it from him. He played it off, but those tears were real. <laughs> And then we come to five. So, for some, for well, for story reasons, uh, they each get dropped off in the same alleyway in Dallas, but like story a year reasons. apart. It sounds like. Well, most most of them. The last three. Yeah, because the last three are all 1963. Okay, just like months, and then um, I think Vanya was the second to last one. She landed about a month before the apocalypse. Yeah, and five was. Just Ten days after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like he was there for what four like two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And how did you like? Uh, how did you like Vanya getting the old uh, George McFly treatment? That was exactly what I thought when uh, she got hit by the car. Right. Well, I guess it'd be a Marty McFly. Like he, she gets hit by the car. She even does like almost the same like motion. I mean, <laughs> kind of what happens when you get hit by a car, though. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Your your name is Victoria Secret. Yeah, that's right. It was written on your underwear. <laughs> so we pick it up from there, and now we're five is trying to put the pieces of everyone back together with the help uh, initially of Hazel. That's right. 
Yes. I was so happy to see Hazel. Right? By the Swedes. Okay, so I I don't at this point, you guys can go read my summary if you want, but I have taken to calling the Swedes just different versions of Anderson Cooper. I call them <laughs> Anderson and the Coopers. Like, <laughs> all, all these different things. So help me with this as we go over this season, okay? okay. It would be great if they all had the same first name of Anderson and they just, like, <laughs> it rhymed with Cooper. So, like, you'd have Cooper, Trooper, and, you know, Duper. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They're the, uh, yeah. Uncle Scrooge's nephews. Uh, yeah. So what do we think of the villains? In the first season, you had Cha-Cha and Hazel, and boy, did they have personalities. These guys haven't even said a word yet in the first two episodes, which the rest of us diligently watched. And um, they don't speak. They don't seem to convey much emotion. They're like the exact opposites. Uh, what, what do we think of these guys so far? Well, see, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why do they work for the commission? Like, why are they completely different than everybody else that we've seen work at the commission? Like, they, they aren't like five. They aren't like uh, Hazel and Cha Cha. They, they don't like the handler. They aren't like the handler. The handler's definitely different than everybody else at the, <laughs> at the commission. But like, as as a field agent, like they they're so odd. I think that's why they sent them at this okay. point. Because they're so different. Obviously, they tried the the normal approaches for the commission, such as it is. Uh, and then now you send in these guys who you probably couldn't swing to your side through conversation. <laughs> they they aren't going masochist. to get. They aren't going to get attached to donut ladies. No, exactly. <laughs> Have they had a donut though? Maybe they would. <laughs> they, they the one Swede was about milk, so maybe. I don't know. I don't think that was milk. That was not yeah. milk. It was glittery. I don't know what that was, but it was not milk. It was they actually the remind me of like Cohen film villains, like from like the Lebowski has like a villain group that's kind of sort of like them, and then the the assassin guy in Fargo is kind of sort of along the same bland personality foreigner coming in to kill people and just I don't know like whenever I see them on screen I think I'm all of a sudden in a Cohen film like especially I think in the second episode when it's the three of them in the house and they're playing the knife game it felt like a scene <laughs> that is. it felt like but, an odd scene like from like burn after reading or something it was very weird yeah it, very Cohen like just very Cohen it, See, and I think they're going to be relatively disposable. I think we're going to get rid of them in the next couple episodes. And I think the handler is going to jump back in as the primary bad guy. I think they're mostly just supposed to be placeholders. That's why they have no personality. Hmm. It could be clones. Well, I think d dealing with time travel, I think they're supposed to be uh, a reminder of like the Terminator. They just have a mindset. They have no facial expression. It's just point them in at the target and let them go kind of thing. They, and just, they have no issue with collateral damage. No. But it was weird killing inmates, which was weird. They didn't kill any of the other patients. Yeah, that was the one. Because th like, they were just willy-nilly about shooting things. But then when there were a bunch of people and they could have just shot everyone outside, nope. No, they shot. They shot guards, no problem, but not mental, not mental patients. The Swedes they said, "Acab." 
relations. Maybe they are. They connected at them, connected to them a little bit better. They're related. So, what do we think of here as far as the the handler being replaced by a sentient goldfish? <laughs> I don't. I don't like that he can do smoke rings. <laughs> Maybe think that's uh, with it. Like, uh, that's not physically possible. <laughs> like the other part, like talking, pulling a man. That's where you draw the line in He can't do smoke rings in his tank. No, he can talk. <laughs> he can't your, smoke. Your Star Wars fan is showing right now. but not the rest of it. <laughs> I didn't get this in the first season, but now it feels like we're in full-on live-action cartoon territory. <laughs> Does this look uh-huh. like a, a villain from The Tick? Or combined with uh, Johan from Hellboy Dude, 2 and that- Klaus from... Uh, was it American Dad? American Dad. All yeah. I got was was, jo- was Johan Kraus from Hellboy. That's all yeah. this character is to me. Really? Because all I could think of was uh, uh, Megamind's sidekick. <laughs> the David Cross character. Yeah, David Cross's character. Yeah, the piranha. Yeah, the two. Yeah, this is entering some. It, it's definitely not afraid now to get into some more campy territory from the look mm-hmm. of it. Um, and that's my main takeaway from the first episode is that it feels like we're getting a amped up version of what we saw in season one. So I think they're basically telling you, like, if you like season one, you're going to get a lot more of that. Things that you didn't like in season one, you're going to get a lot more of that, too. <laughs> you're going to a lot more of everything. I don't know yeah. if more of the things that people didn't like, because I this, I think, is a more streamlined presentation of everything. I think we've seen that just from people talking about their opinions of it so far. Jess, who who did not enjoy the first season, was talking about the fact that she wanted to binge it already. Elizabeth is actually, I think, enjoying it so far. Yeah. I mean, I still don't like the characters particularly, but I'm engaged more with where they're going. Mm -hmm. However, you should also have seen her face when baby Pogo showed up, so... (laughs) I was so happy. <laughs> but he that, I was not. Chimpanzees are terrifying. <laughs> it was. It was. It was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh, I'm so excited, but I'm terrified because this is not going to end well." <laughs> there is no universe where this is going to end well. This was correct, and what a weird setting and environment. So now we're getting a bit more into episode two. Episode two was the Frankel footage. Named after the uh, the role of film that Hazel placed uh, discreetly in five before he was killed, and uh, so he has his friend Elliot, the guy that works at that old TV place, to develop it for him. He did manage to what was it? Scratch out the date on it so it wouldn't arise suspicion, <laughs> uh, but that seemed to not really matter because Ow. the footage was of the Kennedy assassination, apparently. Right. <laughs> So what do we think this means that uh, they realized that uh, Papa Hargreaves was there when this happened? Well, Papa? so was, wasn't wasn't five there technically, too? Yep. Older. Yeah, five was there. That was the time when he decided to go back home was when he was at the Kennedy assassination. Right? Yeah. He and refused I, to kill Kennedy, I believe. I, no, he was I, he was there to to 
make sure that Kennedy gets killed. But uh, he, yeah. he realized the calculation at that moment, so he never followed through. Yeah. I See, point out. That's, that's where I think the timeline actually got disrupted. Oh. Because what I think ends up happening is, okay, I mean, let's, if you play it out logically in, in history, say Kennedy survives the assassination. The, the bullet barely misses him. It's an attempted assassination, but he lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is now an attempted assassination on a president of the United States in the middle of the Cold War. The first assumption is going to be the Soviets. You then have a quickly escalating situation very soon after the Cuban Missile Crisis, which barely managed to survive without nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This would lead you to an invasion by the Soviets of the U.S. and a potential nuclear holocaust in no short order. I mean, you could go from zero to nuclear holocaust in 10 days in November of 1963 without much difficulty. <laughs> yeah, like, it, would, it would be a surprise it didn't happen faster. Right? Yeah, no, like the <laughs> fact that it would take 10 days would be really shocking. Yeah, a lot has um, gone in an hour. Like, and that's the thing that, that I think Five is thinking but isn't adequately expressing to Diego that like, no, if you kill, if you save Kennedy, you end the world. Like that's the difference. That's the whole point of the Commission Five worked with. As much as you can dislike them for what they stand for, I mean that's kind of their whole point. Now, do you think that it's going to be the fact that someone took a shot at Kennedy and then we blame the Russians, or do you think it's more? Someone takes a shot at Kennedy, but superpowers are found out because someone used their superpowers to save him. And now Russia's like, oh, we need to blow them up. <laughs> they have superpowers. It could be like either. The yeah, I, I, I can't comment on any of these things. <laughs> it could be either. But in any case, I think the crux of the argument comes down to a botched attempt of a, attempted assassination on Kennedy. The one thing I like is that Diego makes it very clear that he's he wants to stop the assassination of Kennedy. At no point does Five say, I was literally there to make sure he got killed. Yeah. <laughs> he just calls him stupid, makes sure that he gets locked up, and then Daniela Andrade plays in, on, on the soundtrack, which is a very good cover of Crazy. But that was always my biggest issue with the first season too and i see it repeated in the second season is that these people like just goddamn communicate for the love of god just but i mean and, and it's another it's a typical writing thing like it's just it's so easy to move a plot along if you just don't have your characters communicate to one each other like it's just yeah but you also <laughs> hit on it in the first season the both of you hit it on in the first season that these these characters all had a terrible childhood and they hate each other. They, they mm-hmm. not only hate each other, they hate themselves. So thus communication is going to be very yes. difficult. And I, yes. and I get that makes sense. for most of them. And I got that for five in the first season, but five has now seen yeah. the repercussions and he's very clearly, he and Vanya are the smartest of the bunch. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it's literally only been seven days since he came back. Yeah, no, and for like at the, at the end of this thing, it's been twelve days since he came back. Yeah, yeah, and That's I get it for him. He has well, for him. Yeah, in this, yeah. he he has training as to what this means, 
And I get him not wanting to really share that because he doesn't trust his siblings in the first season. But at this point, if you're trying to work as a team, you share that training. I, I understand that, but he also he was also alone for 45 years, so he's a little little bit of a nutbag too. He was not alone. That man can catch him company. Yeah, it's like saying <laughs> Tom Hanks wasn't alone on that island. Like Wilson isn't a real person. I don't talk about me, me and my Google Home get along great. Google, tell me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You see what you did? Now she's mad at me. <laughs> Good. It would have nothing to do with the fact that she just didn't hear you. Or no, you I didn't say, hey, Google. Okay, part. That yeah. Was intentional. You know, they say in the new Child's Play reboot, this is how the robot apocalypse begins. <laughs> People are mean to AIs. Just saying. Yeah. So, again, we also find out that Hargreaves is alive and well, and he has an office in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, filled with a lot of really creepy simulacra of like home life panoramas, maybe dioramas. Uh, this whole thing appears to be a front because everything is coated in dust. It just seems to have no practical purpose um, other than just making me wish that they made a live action Fallout adaptation because we're getting that. The... Oh, we are? Yep. Yeah, it's a TV show for Amazon. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying happy tears right now. <laughs> uh, that being said, yeah, Papa Hargreaves is in here, and he's no uh, a slouch when it comes to the fighting. He can mm-hmm. best Diego, like, incredibly. Uh, so what's going on there? What's what's the deal with... Um... Well, he's an alien. Yeah. Is he an alien? That's what I always thought from the first season. Mm-hmm. I always figured that this the group of 43 gets reborn every so often. And he's from the previous batch. Mm. Yeah. I just figured it was go ahead, John. I was going to say, I had a weird theory that maybe Hargreaves was actually five just from like really far in the future. And then went backwards in time to start the whole thing all over again. Like grandfather paradox it. See, (laughs) and I think that, when he meets up with the kids in this season, they're going to be like, hey, you're going to adopt us in the future, thus setting him on the start of going to adopt them when they're all born. So then right now, just a KGB officer that's running a front for the, (laughs) running a front in the U.S. I still think he's an alien. (laughs) If if that's the case, can one of them say, just please don't be a dick about it and like be abusive? Like, <laughs> could you just? <laughs> I don't know if there's stop any stopping Reginald Hargreaves being a dick. <laughs> that's uh, true. The one thing I do want to say about this fight scene, um, well, and everything up to this point is all the music is perfect, um, mm-hmm. and the directing in this fight scene, um, for choreography, camera work, the music, everything it actually makes me think that they might be able to pull off Cowboy Bebop if they have whoever did this do that. <laughs> that was really good. So you've now heard the recommendation of who needs to choreograph that from Steven. Yes, please. <laughs> from the studio who's listening. I mean, if they can't get chats to Helsky, then they should get these people. <laughs> I... I honestly have not picked up on any of the music in these two episodes other than the crazy uh, cover, but that's just me. Hmm. 
Oh, and the the uh, the one during the beginning when the whole family yeah. is is fighting during the Holocaust or right before the Holocaust, the nuclear yeah. Holocaust, that, whatever oh, that thing is. That was a perfect a perfect scene in general. What a thing oh. start. That's a that's oh, yeah. my way by Sinatra, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. we had the the music. Um, it's a I think it was a Sinatra version also of music from a Disney movie, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Oh, I don't think that was Sinatra. Yeah. I think that was, was that Sinatra, but it was Bing, who it was. Bing yeah. Crosby. I don't know. <laughs> somebody else that did a bunch of scatting. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, episode two is where we really start to see the paths converge for some of these characters. Um, we have uh, five who, at this point, has already met up with Diego. Also meets up with uh, Luther. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Luther, by in turn, through a whole side story, ends up running across Vanya. And, and Allison runs across Klaus. Kind of. Kind of. And yeah. Allison and the co- also. Klaus just barely. Say, the last, say it again. She misses Klaus, but looks like she's got the clues now to look for him. Because <laughs> I mean, you see those tattoos on your hand. You know that he's been around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does this it have a name? Yeah. <laughs> Louis Armstrong. Thank he you. had a mansion. It looks like he definitely had a mansion. And he he doesn't care that he knows where the key is and just destroys a window. Uh, what, do you think that, house? is he is he like super rich and a prophet just because he sing he he does like song lyrics from the future towards his people or is like is he also talking to the dead and that's why they believe in him? Everything. That Don't go chase some waterfalls is perfect. That's that's a Joel Osteen book right there. Well, <laughs> and it's I mean it at least sounded like from his argument with. Ben's ghost that he has been bringing Ben to the point where Ben can touch other people. Yeah. So he can do that with other people's loved ones that have passed on and stuff like that. What does everybody think is Ben's unfinished business that he could possibly have in San Francisco? I can't say anything. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Especially for the 60s. They fell in love? Yep. That's weird. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> dead. Um, he, didn't, he didn't get to do it yet, you know? Maybe I, I see that one. He wanted to go ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He never got to eat ice cream. Hey, other than... <laughs> other than uh, Luther's name of Space Boy, did anybody else's... Uh, code name from the comic book get mentioned in the show? Yes. Whose? Rumor. Her name, the actually call her that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty, in, in the beginning of um, the first season, uh, I only knew the characters by their code names more than their Christian names. Uh, and then in the TV show, uh, I still referred to them through the whole first season as their code names still because they still used them in the beginning of it. I still had no need to know their name names. This okay. season, it's exclusively just normal names. It's Klaus and not Seance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Five is the five. five. Five was only ever just five. Yeah. yeah. 
he wasn't around long enough to adopt I was another thing. About that, I was like, does he ever get a name? <laughs> nope. Probably older than seven days. Five and old timer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> He's forty-five. So, so yeah, that pretty much sums up the first two episodes. Is uh, you know, we see the plot in motion to either try to stop Kennedy or let it happen so that the apocalypse doesn't occur. Uh, kind of a retread in many ways of the first episode of the first season, rather, uh, except that I don't know. We kind of have a much better understanding of who these characters are, even though they had a slight reset to their arcs. Uh, it's <laughs> still going in interesting directions, given the time setting, the differences, like you said, with Allison being black, and this one she has to whole deal with a whole different set of issues that the other people don't have to. Mm-hmm. So, well, and also for Vanya. Um, we, we see two different sides of the very unfortunate situations for societal disparity in this one um, with Sissy talking about one of her greatest hopes. Yeah, and having a, a bug out stash because mm-hmm. it's like she knows that something's going to go bad one day and she just wants to be ready for it. Yeah. A terrible way to, you know, have a marriage going. Yeah, but it, it's unfortunately like it, it, if you were to have shown someone that kind of thing um, back in the day, it would have been only refreshing for them to hear someone speak about it plainly, but in no way, shape, or form a surprise. Yeah. It's true. not even particularly a surprise for a chunk of people today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. this is for everyone except Stephen. Where are we going next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Diego's gonna kill Kennedy. What? Oh, that's, that's, actually, that's not a bad theory because they have the whole magic bullet theory, and we know that Diego can bend the the trajectory of projectiles. You gotta, um, you gotta bend the bullet. He's he's the one that caused it to zigzag in the in his brain. <laughs> I like that. Theory. A lot, a, a lot of side characters are gonna be shoved into refrigerators. <laughs> right in there, huh? Uh, well, there already was one, gonna, the landlady. Yep. Allison's going to try and get Klaus to help with her movement. With, with her movement, with the civil rights movement, and Luther and Vanya are going to come to blows. Wow. In the next couple, probably in the next episode. But they left on such good terms. Except she just had a dream where she was starting to remember what's going on. Mm. And at some point, she's going to figure it out, and it's going to piss her off. Well, I mean, we see that she's using her powers for good in that in ten days from now. So yeah. mm-hmm. there's going to be some rocky start to that. <laughs> so I remember that. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, you got this one. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Remember, she was showing no signs of aggression, and he was ready to like shoot her. I don't think he was. I think it was more protecting himself because he knows how powerful she is. Yeah, I think he came there to say what he ended up saying. And Luther is also just very stupid. <laughs> he comes up differently. Yeah, yeah, he's very blunt. He's he's definitely a blunt instrument. Now, mm-hmm. do we think that the uh, the connection with the government that Klaus seems to have is going to factor in the story? No. I don't. I don't. Uh, I think it'll have some tangential impact, not for the plot line necessarily, but to provide assistance for other things to allow 
characters to move the plot forward. Any theories on who this could be? Could it be somebody real? Like another figure, I, Jack Ruby, and so on? Yeah. Right. Could it be uh, like Robert Kennedy or something to that effect? I, nobody, I don't think anybody real, or in, in essence, anybody known to history. I think it's going to be more providing the setup for something that we know to history. That no. scene I wanted to say reminded me of the Green Book. There was a scene that something like that kind of happened, except he reached out to the government official, and this one it seemed like they knew he was there, and they kind of came to his rescue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I wonder who that could be. All right, well, it sounds oh, like we're wait. all... I want to do one thing. I can't say what will happen in the future episodes, obviously. <laughs> However, I want to predict where you guys will fall on the series, knowing full well that if I say something, it might color you in the opposite direction. But okay. Okay. Well, why don't you just write it down and put it in an envelope and seal it? Uh, pen. Okay. <laughs> I'm like surrounded by pins. I draw. I draw for a living right now. I could understand it more if you didn't have an envelope. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) but Stephen, before you do that, because you had asked me in regards to um, some underlying potential anti-Semitic nods in this season and in last season. Mm-hmm. I did not catch anything that struck me as that, so I'm curious as to what you were referencing. I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. Um, oh, okay. In, in this season, um, just the same. It's the same thing from season one. So, if you want to talk about that, like, I mean, we can. No, well, let's let's see if it triggers. If we haven't come across it yet in season two, okay. We'll wait. We'll hold on that. Okay, what was it in season one though? Or is that what we're not? Because it's the same thing. Gotcha. And it didn't trigger, I don't recall it from season one, but it's one of those things I imagine that if I see it repeated, it's got a better chance of triggering. Okay. If that makes sense. So we didn't want to discuss it till it happened. I thought it was going to happen in one of these these two episodes. Okay. Okay, Stephen, what's your predictions? Uh, I think you all like it, except for Jess. She likes it <gasps> a lot, but she still is like, oh. But I think you all come away from this season having liked it way more than the first one. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think John also John also likes it, but he wants to write a piece about it for Geek Elite Media. And I think uh, Mitch goes and decides to give me fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not happening. Well, see, now it's not <laughs> happening. That's, you should not have said it. Was that happening in the first place? <laughs> write that article just to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. That's the first two episodes of the second season of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M, G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Steven, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent. I just recently rebuilt my website. Uh, if you guys can go take a look on it, uh, look at it, and let me know what you think. That is, you'll get, you guessed it, PeppermintGentleman.com. 
Hey Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter is JM Bailey Writes. John, where can people find you? I am also on Twitter. I am at Magic Bollocks. Catch me on Wednesdays for my live tweets. <laughs> Elizabeth, how about you? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. And if you would like to check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network, check out our website, geekleetmedia.com. Please go search out our Patreon. We have things there. <laughs> this will be there. Yeah, this will be including the Maybe. video for this. Maybe the video. video. Including uh, Patreon exclusive things. Yes. This this would be a Patreon exclusive thing. Uh, uh, the video. Sorry. Um, then, please, if you're listening to this as, as, as a podcast, rate and review it on whatever podcatcher you use. It helps uh, spread the word of our podcast network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.